Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. My name's Tim. Uh, this morning's scripture passage comes from the, uh, the Psalms, Psalm 115, verses 1 through 8. Not us, Lord, not us, but to your name give glory, because of your mercy, because of your truth. Why should the nation say, where then is their God? But our God is in the heavens. He does what he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the works of human hands. They have mouths, but cannot speak. They have eyes, but cannot see. They have ears, but cannot hear. They have nose, but cannot smell. They have hands, but cannot feel. They have feet, but cannot walk. They cannot make a sound with their throat. Those who make them will become like them. Everyone who trusts in them. The word of the Lord. Good morning. My name is Magdiel, and I'm one of the pastors here at New. If you're new, uh, welcome. Uh, for the people online, welcome as well. Uh, it is my pleasure to introduce uh, Paul Cabellian. I know, uh, uh, I think we all know Paul, and uh, we're excited about him sharing today, this morning. Um, but uh, I'm going to let him introduce himself. Um, just welcome and give you a know, uh, warm welcome to Paul Cabellian this morning. Check, check. How's that microphone? Good? All right. I have a tendency to talk to the sound guys because uh, that's what we do. Um, welcome everyone to Renew, both online and in human form. Uh, those of you here in the room. My name is Paul Cabellian. I am uh, one of the worship leaders here at Renew, and my family has been attending four years? About four years here at Renew, um, let me just get my notes up, because as cool as I think I am sometimes in just kind of being able to jam and chat, uh, which if any of you are in Bible study with me ever, I talk entirely too much, I do need these notes because Mags gave me a time limit, praise the Lord for that. <laughs> Andrew cheered, thank you. Got an amen, got some life back there. Um, so what we're going to do today is, uh, you know, it's weird. Like the one prayer that I've had like in preparing for this was, God, what do you want to say to renew? What do you, oh, you should, I should do this. I'm going to take this off because, uh, yeah. What do you want to say to renew? What do you want to say to anyone and everyone who's possibly joining us online? And um, that prayer is, is kind of dangerous because when he does actually go, this is what I want you to say, um, I have a tendency to do these things and it's a little crazy and so we did, but what's also great is that these, these words of the Lord tend to arrive at 3 a.m. in the morning in the Cabellion home. And, and when that happens, um, you know, I... Tuesday, I had this entire thing prepared. I was like, oh, it's going to be amazing. Wow, this, this, this illustration up front that shows, uh, talks about idolatry and worship and, and things. And then God was like, no, we're not going to do that um, at 3 a.m. Um, and I woke up, and I was just as, just as like, energetic and live as I am right now, like at 3 in the morning, just kind of staring at the ceiling. And of course, I'm not going to keep this to myself. So I'm like, hey, hey. 
hey, honey, she like woke up, because I woke up. She's like, yeah, well, why are you awake? Like, what happened? Um, and I, God just, I just got a divine download. God just told me what I need to share on Sunday. Um, and she's like, great. Is God also telling you to tell me right now? <laughs> and, and so I said, no. Um, but the gift is, is that this is the first time she's going to be kind of hearing a little bit about it. She did try to peek at my notes through the week, but we'll see. There's a lot of it changed. Um, God wanted me to share something I haven't, probably haven't shared, if not in the last four years. I definitely haven't shared it uh, for a while, but that's my testimony of how I came to know Jesus. And um, embedded in this, um, you know, it's going to be a kind of a weird pivot when we get into Psalm 115, which is our verse of the day, which is about idolatry and worship. We're going to talk about that. I don't know why, I'm just being honest with you, I don't know why I'm supposed to share my testimony this morning. I just know that somebody needed to hear it. And again, it's not like this thing that like, you know, like, and kind of like, hey, I have a great idea, I'm going to share like, my story about Jesus. I don't do that a lot. Um, so, here it is. Um, 30 years ago, about, I came to know the Lord at the age of 17. Do the math. Um, and, um, you know, being Filipino-American is almost synonymous with being Catholic, and that's the, that's the environment I grew up in. Some of you are recovering Catholics or Catholic or, you know, that sort of thing. Won't dive into that. Um, but at the time, and this is like spring 91, you know, I'd come out of a very big season of exploring my own faith. Uh, in the Catholic Church, you go through um, a series of uh, kind of gates in your faith, and one of them is confirmation. And in that, I started to reconnect with the scripture. I had a great teacher at my local parish. But man, I just had a lot of questions of like, how many different denominations are out there? How are we different from these Protestant people? How are they, what is the reference, what are these things? And um, lo and behold, in the tumult of being a teenager, um, I was an avid skater. I was like big into like straight edge, hardcore music, um, Gorilla Biscuits, Operation Ivy, uh, Youth of Today. These are bands that kind of informed Nirvana, who finally peaked. And, but if you look at that, that's kind of where it was. Um, I'd spent a lot of time. Um, I played bass a lot uh, with, with some of these hardcore bands. I was, I was often in DC at this age, with bands at clubs, playing with them. Um, and it's such a wild environment, just trying to sort out faith, sort out life. And this person comes into my life named Harold Lee. And Harold passed away in August uh, last. And um, I hadn't spoken to him in probably 28 of those years. Um, and so when he did pass away and I got word, there was this flood of, wow, those were some formidable times. I'm going to tell you a little bit about that. Um, my scene like really changed like right before my junior year. And like I said, it was spring 99. And um, so one hot summer day, if you've ever lived in the D.C. area, it's just really hot. Uh, 
I, I don't know, we spent a lot of time fishing, playing tennis, playing soccer. Uh, we went to the mall a lot. That was a thing that kids did. Um, we didn't have cell phones, so it was all hardline, you know, communication. And, and one day, he calls me up and he's like, hey man, um, do you want to go uh, to the mall? I'm like, yeah, sure, of course. And um, it was a long drive, and when I say a long drive, it's like, you know, 20 minutes, but uh, for some of you who hung out with me, like, on the side, I now know that I'm affected by a very specific form of narcolepsy. We can talk about that over coffee. And so I fell asleep in the car. And instead of getting to the mall, I woke up in a church parking lot, like with the windows down, car was empty, and I'm like snoring out, and Harold is nowhere to be found. He brought me to youth group. <laughs> so I'm sitting in the thing, and I'm like looking around, and like, I wasn't really like offended. I mean, I already saw myself as like a spiritual person. I was open to things. I'm a spiritual person. I'm open. You know? Well, not like that. I was more like, I'm, cu I'm really genuinely curious. And in that parking lot, I met um, some members of this youth group. It was a Korean-American church. And so uh, being Filipino-American and joining a Korean-American youth group, there's a lot of cross-cultural things. We can unpack it in another sermon. but. I started to hang out with this new group of kids for whom, like, it wasn't a transactional thing. They weren't like, hey, Paul, this is Jesus. Would you like to put your heart on him? Would you like to believe on him? And then you can be saved. It wasn't like that. It was more like, hey, you want to go to, like, this birthday party? Like, the girl you like is going to be there. You want to go? Yeah, of course I do. But everyone was, like, really kind and nice to each other. No one swore. Um, they actually read the Bible. They had fellowship. They talked. They shared meals. Um, if they needed rides, they did that. If they needed money, they shared money. I mean, they did all of this stuff that totally blew my mind. And um, I was in. Like, that's cool. And I hung out, and they knew I wasn't, like, a believer in the transactional sense. Like, I hadn't given my life to Christ like that. But you know what? Hung out anyway. And it's not like this youth group was like all full of like rock star Jesus followers. No, we were all figuring it out as teenagers, okay? Right? Um, part of my journey was, at, with, was taking like my like thrash metal background and adopting that to a worship team that was a little shocked by that's really fast or um, that's really... Can you chill it out and kind of play like just the regular chords? And I was like, cool. Boo, 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 boo. Boo, 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 boo. That's the name of, that's what bass players are. Um, but Harold was part of that journey a lot, you know. And um, right about the time high school ended, um, you know, so a lot of us like who are just kind of always staring at transition, like, as much as we talked about girls who are way out of our league, and like that became a theme in our lives, uh, Exhibit A, um, <laughs> we talked a lot about, like, or at least my journey was, how do I love my parents? Because as Catholics, um, and as, like coming from a father who is a very accomplished surgeon with very real expectations that all four boys would also be surgeons. And here I go, I'm just trying to figure out what I'm gonna do with my life. Older brother rocks it out at Northwestern University. I barely got into University of Maryland, maybe. I didn't know what to do. And part of that equation was like, how do I love on these people when their expectations are so like, 
not aligned with, with where my heart is? And how do, I, how do I please them? And how do I honor them? And they think my relationship with God is craziness. And that mix, the whole time, Harold was there. Um, I'm a UW Husky. Um, it's like the first amen I got from my wife, which means this is going the right direction. Um, but my first year was actually spent at St. Mary's College of Maryland. And if you know anything about St. Mary's College of Maryland, it's a very tiny honors college, 1,500 people total, uh, in the middle of nowhere, southern Maryland, right on the water. It's a beautiful place. Um, if you visit anywhere in Maryland and you're like, oh, this is great, like, go visit there. Spend some time. It's beautiful. Um, Harold and I became roommates my freshman year there, or at least the first semester. And um, I'm going to scroll up. When you make the decision to live with somebody, for heads up, for all of you looking for roommates, um, there is a major commitment there because you live life together and you kind of bounce things off each other, especially if you're like Christian brothers who like, and this is the guy who like introduced me to Jesus. Um, I actually did give my life to Christ in 91 as a, like a youth rally and thing. And you know, I kind of brushed over that because transactionally, yeah, that happened. And then my life totally changed, it did. And here's how. Um, a lot of us talk about, like, we'll meet people and be like, oh, man, I'm totally into music. Or, like, Christians are like, I love worship music. And me too, right? But I'm going to share with you what that means. Because for all of you who attend Renew, like, regularly, I'm not here. I'm there. And my connection with, and I know that the other team members on, on the music team, like, we think very carefully and, and deeply about this. It's like, when we think about worship, it's, it's not just like nice music, right? Um, I spent hours learning guitar. Harold taught me how to play guitar. Um, I found that like when I would pick up like the guitar, I'd walk into the room, just pick it up, sit down. Um, super clumsily, like not hitting things. I found this place where I could really be stripped down and bare. Like, and it's because like I have these words and tones coming out of my body, like out of my mouth, that connected me with like these truths that I could commit to my heart memory and that would follow me all the days of my life. I don't know if that's how you think about music, but that's what it was, like for real. Like, yeah, we did Bible studies, but like when I remember on songs like Refiner's Fire, when I remember on songs like Rushing Wind, these things have stayed like eternally etched really deeply. And like some of you know people, some of you are the people where in the darkest moments of your life you hum, and it gives you hope. I mean, um, I'm a former Marine officer. I went through the training. It was brutal. It was really brutal. And you know, in these minus, I don't know how many degree winter moments, um, 
I would find myself in the silence of the insanity of what boot camp is, humming hymns just to keep my mind right because I couldn't tie my shoes. I was so cold and so underslept. In the time where we just navigated 11 months of unemployment, um, here's a study. Go back and watch the recordings of all the times we've put music up there. I'm sad. Like, I look back at them, I'm like, geez, he was really I'm, I know that I was sad when I recorded those. There were times in here where you know, the entire crew back there saw me just break into tears in the middle of a recording, we'd have to redo it. Because the pandemic was hard, unemployment was hard, a lot of us were going through some hard things. Well, during that season, um, I also uh, watched Harold spend less time uh, with the Christian community that, that we were part of. And um, he got a lot of new friends, we became distant. And a lot of us have those moments in our faith journey whether, like, we wonder whether the world will satisfy. You know, I did too, you know. He was having his, and, like, the Christianese thing to say is, like, oh, he slid in his faith. But, like, the wisdom of experience is, like, I don't know, right? I just know that in the landscape of my life, this iconic person was gone. And um, did you bring to mind those kinds of people in your life? When those people leave, you wonder who else God will bring into your life. You know? And um, over coffee, we can talk about like, who, who did. But I distinctly remember like, in that season making some really early commitments to God. So I guess by this time I'm now like 18-ish or something like that. And things like on the day of my weakness, because I really wanted to be intimate with, with, with God and understanding like where I was vulnerable, that he would be the strength that I, I needed because I couldn't rely on myself. It's funny, right before I walk up here, Pastor Mags goes, hey, you're going to be great. I believe in you even if you don't. <laughs> Truth, I will tell on you. Um, but there are times in life where you're like, oh, this looks really dark. And God was there. I remember walking into my dorm room and um, a lot of things happened that, that made me want to judge Harold hard. And I was by myself, I mean, he was in lecture or something, and I came in and I just slammed the door, I was so mad, and I just fell on my knees and I was praying that, that I would not fall away like that. Or when I do have a moment where I'm just gonna go and stop believing, that you reach out for me. I spent a lot of time uh, back then, uh, because Harold had gone, I was part of InterVarsity on campus, and it was great, there's a lot of new people coming to Christ, it was really cool, but in all of that, I remember, you know, I'm a social person, right? I'm a very, you can't stop me from like talking to people, like it's disgusting. My wife is like, please stop talking to people, get in the car, we can go home. 
But I remember at the time, like, like finding places by myself where I could just be with the Lord, like, and like, not like in pretty words ways, like I was like really ugly crying a lot. Like, ah, I'm so alone. Really, Polly, dramatic. Um, but I did spend a lot of time with an open heart. And a large part of that was singing songs that, that leveled up like where I was. Not like in a performance way, but like leveled up my view when my chin was down. Like things that really, really lifted me up. And when you're young, um, you try to find black and white things. And you know, looking back over that time, the tumult of it, there was always this thing about my faith that would be like worship. And not necessarily music, right? But like, but music, but like worship. Like expressing, expressing the glory of God reflecting it back in adoration was a real part of like level, leveling me out. And like, and I, and I put that, that ember like down in my life really early. Worship, um, you know, I feel like when we come in here, we expect to sing songs, right? It's like, oh, you're a Christian now. You're going to sing songs. Yay! That's like a weird, like, cultural equation we've kind of landed in. And worship wasn't an, an equation for me, and it never has been. Um, worship, whether in music or expressing the excellence of what God has made in my work, um, in my family life. Like all of these things are not equation. Right? They're not like, like these levels on a dashboard that you're kind of like, well, I'll put more energy in there and do this and like turn the knobs and that's how it works. It's not how it goes. And, and I learned as a young Christian that that was, that's the truth is that it wasn't like God or other things. It was like God in worship through everything. And that is totally different than I feel like our experiences in our like day-to-day -day Christian lives, especially, and I don't wanna like rail against this right now because I'll totally lose the entire like next half hour. Like in a world of consumer Christianity where we are served like every Sunday, like. I'm gonna to go to a church and I'm going to go consume what they have. Their worship team blows. I'm out of here. I'm gonna go check something else out. Uh, the sermon was eh. I'm gonna go online. When, it, when you zero it down and it's just you and the Lord, because that's really like where it is. Um, my prayer for those of you who are followers of Christ, listening to this, and again, I don't know who needs to hear this. Um, today is like a re-examination of your call. And that you would step intimately into the fire of the Spirit of God.
and identify things in your life that blur your worship. If you know Jesus, that's for you. If you don't know Jesus, you're seeking. My prayer is that you turn your eyes to Christ, who really, really is the light of the world. To see the treasure that he is, if it's peace you're looking for, that you feel peace, and if it's comfort, that you are like so comforted. If it's a sense of belonging, that you get that too. But I promised when you lay your life in the hands of Jesus, you get so much more. You have a personal relation, you're gonna have a personal relationship with the God of the universe and and this is like the coolest part, is you become an entirely new creature for whom love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control become a natural part of who you are. I didn't know that when I gave my life to Christ that that's kind of the wacky adventure that God would, would bring me on, becoming a new creature. But some of you, uh, under the sound of my voice, whether here or on the other side of the world, um, may God bless your ears with that. Okay, so can I get a time mark? Because I didn't really pay attention to how much. It's 10, 5, 6. And how long do I have? Uh, Schedules say a lot of things. Doctor said something. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Um, so who's familiar with drifting, like racing drifting? <laughs> OK, so like Janice was like, I do it all the time. Um, <laughs> so what happens in drifting? She's a gamer, by the way, so I believe her. Um, <laughs> accomplished nurse and gamer. Um, when you are going, oh, she's a PA, facts, um, you come into the corner like super high speed and what happens is you got to slow down for the corner, right? So you whip the car and you're like, whoa, we are going that way. But then you know what you do? You accelerate and you turn the car this way so you're actually going sideways and you're doing this thing and you are out of control. And that's what we're about to do with the Psalm, okay? You guys ready for this? Okay. This verse, this passage that I picked out, talks a lot about idolatry, which if you think about it, is really a subcategory of worship. Hmm. Deep. We're going to start with a simple question, okay? Um, because I, I love how this begins. Right? Some people are like, let's do some basics. Like, what do I mean by... When I say God and when other people say God, what do I mean, okay? So let's put this up. Uh, we're gonna look at verses one through three first. Not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory because of your mercy and because of your truth. Why should the nations say, where then is their God? But our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. This is a poem, okay? And I'm gonna like 
break it down a little bit, but the essence of these first three verses is super cool because it does this thing. When everybody else says God, this is what they mean. And when we say God, Allah, the Israelites, this is what we mean. And in these first three verses, it's like a big, like, theological, and it should make the reader go, oh, and have, like, this moment of, okay, we're talking about a whole different category of a thing that you put your adoration before, okay? So, let's talk about the God of the Israelites. Not to us, O Lord, but to your name give glory, okay? Why does God exist? exist for his own glory. God is all about God's self, himself. Um, because of your mercy, because of your truth. Okay, now, uh, you may have noticed, for those of you who hang out a lot, uh, we usually read the CEB, the Common English Bible, right? And we also, like, kind of jam on the NIV. And uh, this is the NASB. Now, the reason why we do that is because the CEB is, has very inclusive language, he, she, there, things like that. And then the NIV is just popular. Um, but for this, for this, like the NASB, like if you read Hebrew, I don't, uh, or you read Greek and you look at the, the words, it's like quite, it's as literal as you can be. And what happens in, in the other two translations, it says, um, because, not because of your mercy, because of your truth, it actually says because of your love and faithfulness, which you're like, okay, that's pretty, yeah, love and faithfulness. But when it's mercy and truth, we have like a this is way, it's a way different conversation, okay? Because when we talk about the truth of God compared to the other lowercase g gods in this case, we're talking about a God who is like fully spirit, who does not live in things or is localized, okay? Whereas the context of this thing is about idolatry and carved stuff. You carve the thing, and the deity is inside the thing. It is localized. You go visit God. You go into the temple. There was a specifically localized place, but the God of the Israelites is spirit. Okay? Um, this word, if you want, like a 20-pound, like, juggernaut word, aseity, A-S-E-I-T-Y, like deity, but with an A-S. Right? It's like, the God we're talking about exists unto himself for his own glory, meaning sufficiency does not require anything outside of God's existence for that to happen. So whether or not I believe in that God or not continues to exist eternally, forever, outside of time, can choose to go inside of time wants to, but exists outside of what we imagine something like a God, okay? Now, this is really distinct. And so when verse two goes, oh, I'm sorry, no, not verse two. When it talks about mercy, like the distinction between the other gods and this mercy is, mercy is this interesting word. He didn't use grace. He didn't use love, faithfulness, he's mercy. Mercy, other than, grace is, grace, the definition is, not grace, perfect. But the definition of grace is to give you something you do not deserve. Okay? What is mercy? Is to withhold a punishment that you do deserve. Okay? I'm not going to dive into what that means, but if you think about it for a second, you're like, oh, that's really different because it means that this particular God has an agenda. 
that is unshakable and specific. Whereas, a God that does not express mercy doesn't really care. Okay? You following me? Okay, good, because I hope it's making sense. All right. Why should the nation say, where then is their God? That's the question that they should ask. For people who have never experienced a God like that, like, uh, where do you keep them? Where do you keep this God you keep talking about? Like, where do you house God? Like, where do you, where do you put him? Okay. Then my computer just went down, so there's that. We're going to turn it back on. And the answer is, but our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he wants. Because this God is sovereign. Okay? That's a heavy word. But let's, let me tell you like what, what sovereign is like. We are all experiencing a pandemic. Okay? And the virus does whatever it wants to. Not because it has an agenda. It just does what its nature does and infects people. It has its own sense of sovereignty. Does that make sense? Like there's nothing you can do other than like kind of mask and you can mitigate things, but it's going to do what it does. Take that to an eternal level and the God of the Israelites is sovereign in the heavens. The imagery is above and beyond us. Okay? Hold on to that. Because when we start to talk about idolatry and worship, it changes like, oh, this is definitely worth worshiping. This is definitely not worth, worth worshiping. Let's keep going. You good? All right, me too. Like, I'm going to need an audible, like, poly, like, chill. Because I'm, like, feeling it right now, and you know how that goes. <laughs> okay, when I say the word idolatry... What usually comes to mind are carved images, okay? The passage is exactly what they're talking about. Statues, humans, and animals, combinations of both that were expected to house the deity, and that is true, but we're going to press deeper, okay? Verse 4, their idols are of silver and gold, the work of human hands. <sighs> idols like, are actually made of really valuable things. They take intention to create. Like, human energy goes into creating them, right? So they're not invaluable. It's not like, it's like, I don't know, I just keep thinking about these, like, I just came from a business aviation show in the Middle East, and it's like, gold-plated gold on a private business jet. Yes, let's buy three of these. Okay, like, they're really valuable. Things that, would, that really do make you go, wow, Aaron, that... Golden calf, you assembled a lot of gold, like a lot. That's a lot of, in one place. And, and more than just a block of gold, it's like shaped like an animal. That is, that's a lot of intention, okay? Really, really valuable. Verse 5, they have mouths, but they cannot speak. They have eyes, but they cannot see. They cannot speak. They cannot communicate. They cannot see. They cannot see you. They have eyes. They, looks like they can, but they can't. They have ears, but they cannot hear. They have noses, but they cannot smell. They cannot hear. They cannot listen, let alone hear. They cannot smell. They have no ability to gather perspective. Anybody know a statue like that? Anybody know a person like that? People? 
Verse 7. They have hands, but they cannot feel. They have feet, but they cannot walk. They cannot make a sound with their throat. Now, yeah, okay. So what you might have also noticed is that I've, I've, I asked Mags to put this version up where everything is spaced to the left, right? Because this is a Hebrew poem, and the way it's structured is, is you have all the mouths, eyes, ears, da 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 And then at the very end, okay, you have this verse 7 where it's like, it starts in verse 5. They, they, have, or they have mouths but cannot speak. But then you get to verse 7, and it's this, they have hands and feet. Um, they have this idea that they, they look like they can do stuff, but they can't. They can't do practical things. And then right at the end, it goes, they can't even make sound, which is a toss back to verse 5. Like, oh, they, they have mouths, but they cannot speak. And he goes on. Actually, they can't even make sound. And that's the beauty of the poem. It just kind of wraps it together, right? If you get anything from today, and it's great, uh, uh, <laughs> Naomi came up to me this morning, and she goes, what are you preaching on? I'm like, oh, well, look at verse 8 in Psalm 115. She's like, okay. And they just went on. Your kids are amazing. I'm like, okay, wow, you really want to know. <laughs> They're out there. <laughs> if there's anything you gather from today, this is kind of it. Okay? Verse 8. Those who make them will become like them, everyone who trusts in them. Okay, the other versions go, those who make them will become like them, and so will those who place their trust in them. Okay, and the way, I like the way it's written in the NASB because um, there's no clarification words in terms of like, those who make them will become like them, everyone who trusts in them. It's the same person. Okay. The thing in your life that you treasure the most you will take on the characteristics of. But when I like look at this whole thing, the thing that just gets to me is how idolatry causes us to lose our senses. Like, if in fact I place my heart on these things, I become like a person with no mouth, with, with a mouth but cannot speak. It makes me think about um, leprosy. Let's talk about a happy topic, leprosy. Um, when you go through scripture, you're going to find a lot of leprosy. It is, it's very common, like there's communicable disease, close proximity, spread very much like COVID, liquid droplets, achoo, oh, that's really bad, you shouldn't have been standing in the way. And what happens is, you, it's, a, you know, it's a skin disease. You get these lesions. It's a very visual thing. It's like, oh, lepers. There were so many laws that were created about it. But here's the thing about leprosy, right? As much as it was a skin disease, what, it, what really happens, what really makes it really bad, is that if you let the lesions go, like, you can become insensitive to temperature and pain. So if I have leprosy and I bump myself, I don't know that I'm cut. I don't know that it's infected. I don't know that it's gangrenous. I just know that I need to cut it off. Which kind of leads me to this question, like, well, 
how do I know that what I am doing is idolatrous? If idolatry is a subcategory of worship, how do I know? And it's not like idolatry or not idolatry. It's not overt, you know, like that friend like who joined a cult. Yes, true story, friends who've joined a cult. Um, the person who knows me most in this room, hi honey, uh, knows that I am not naturally empathetic. That's not me. I'm not the person who's like, oh, I so feel you. It's more like, yeah, I so don't feel you, man. <laughs> that's, that's more me. It skipped me, went to Leo. Leo is the most empathetic person on the planet. Your kids should be friends with him. They're going to be like, oh my gosh, Leo. I'm like that too. I'm like, oh, Leo, hang out with me. Very empathetic. But a question that I always ask myself, which has to be like kind of an actual discipline, is um, are there things in my life that I've grown insensitive to? What have I grown insensitive to? Um, and for me, that list is always longer than it needs to be. Idols trick my affections. They deceive my senses and fool my expectations into hollow promises. But idols can do a lot more than that, especially when they're not little physical things, but ideological. Not physical stuff, but ideas, trends, culture, memes, things that we ingest can make us insensitive, unfeeling to the experiences of others, giving us an inability to see people, a lack of heart for things that matter to God, and a soul that's ultimately dedicated to something less. You know, one of my mentors, uh, talking about idolatry once, and he's like, this is why I like the word adultery. I'm like, you like the word adultery? We're going to have to unpack that. <laughs> when you're talking about idolatry, it's helpful to think about adultery because the definition of adultery is, is dilution, to add something to make it less potent. That's what adultery means. If you've hung around Renew long enough, you're going to quickly gather that we have a bent for speaking out against racism. That happens a lot. Okay. Elevating voices of people of color um, and women. It's true. Um, I think I'm the first male speaker in how long? It's been a second, right? Yeah. Yeah. Got to hold that up. Third week? Yeah. Um, and like navigating the pandemic with a, a compass of compassion rather than like, whoa, I want freedom. Ah, no mask. No, like we really take these things seriously because we have a sensitivity corporately to these things. Our family, the uh, Cabbies, the Cabellians, uh, we came to Renew after doing life with a congregation where it was common on high American holidays to have this giant American flag up above with a corrugated steel cutout of the United States and in the middle, a cutout of the cross. That was where we came from. Um, if you were there and observed it for a year, you would find very open support of Republican politics and politicians, 
silence on the killings of black people at the hands of police, and a resistance to conversations on social justice. And I'm not saying this as like a regular parishioner. I was in the leadership. I don't know if you could go as far as saying that like the cabbies had church hurt. There's people actually sitting here who have been abused by their previous churches. But we sure as heck had some indignity. Like we were kind of miffed about a few things, right? We couldn't be in a place where the believers around us were out of touch with the reality of hurt in the black community or addressing injustices with people of color. Couldn't do it. And when we got to Renew, in addition to being well-loved, very well-loved, we found a family of believers that strives to live out the truth of God's word as practically as possible. You know, the mission of being renewed by God for the renewal of our neighborhoods, like, that's pretty real around here. Like, we think about that practically. This talk is titled Heaven Exceptionalism, Heavenly Exceptionalism, because when the word of God says that we are not of this world, that our identity in Christ has actually broken down barriers between us and the Lord and between the Jews and the Gentiles, and between the Gentiles and the Gentiles. Like, we actually believe it. Like, we really do believe that. But what does heavenly exceptionalism look like? Um, I, I use that word because some of you might be familiar with, like, American exceptionalism. Um, you can look that up. What does heavenly exceptionalism look like? Um, Right about here, I decided not to rail against Christian nationalism. That's too easy. I think that's an easy amen in this room, right? Okay. Um, <laughs> Christian nationalism. There's a lot of people who've written on it. Um, there's a pile of books over there you could check out um, that inform some of this talk. I'm going to go for a harder amen. Is that cool? My wife said, maybe. Um, let's talk about Christian rage. Let's talk about that. I was, uh, I'm no longer on this group, but I was part of a, a Facebook, now meta group, called Asian American Progressive Christians. I don't know if that's the real name. I'm, I might be messing up that title, but that, that's a group. They're out there. And... Um, they are progressive politically. There are a lot of things on there. You can go check them out yourself. But uh, I went there to observe, because I, I wanted to understand what was happening. And uh, there was a situation where, very much like me, an Asian American male, former military, walked into a Starbucks, and the barista did this racist thing. He said his name. She didn't hear him. So she puts a name, <laughs> an Asian name very stereotypical, on the cup, calls his name. She's like, oh, yeah, it's you. And yeah, that should totally tick you off because that wasn't the guy's name. And everyone on there's ah, racism. Ah. And you know what? Rightfully so. Like really angry. 
and I watched the conversation evolve because I wanted to see how hurt looks. I wanted to see it, and like I was experiencing it too, right? And then like this thing happened where it was like two days later after everyone was like, she should lose her job. We should burn Starbucks to the ground. Nobody attend that place. And I said this. So this is a Christian group, right? Do we have room for love your enemy? And dudes, I got crushed. I got destroyed. Knew it. The guy who loves the white people and his colonial mindset who needs to get educated. And I got crushed. Now here's my response. It's like, all right, brothers and sisters. Um, I, I'm really sorry. I know I offended some of you. Even though I disagreed still. I, I know I did. But for my learning, can you tell me what is informing your hearts? And I got loads of books and recommendations and things that even standing here today, totally disagree with. But there were things, at least in my opinion, just where I'm standing, when I see these sources, I think about this verse because of the insensitivity to Jesus' ways. A bruised reed I would not break. Love your enemy. Not like, like, was it love your neighbor as yourself? Okay. Love your enemy. Love the person who wants to destroy you, to level you out. And like, I have a confession to make. Like, Psalm 109, look it up, it's pretty rough. During the second impeachment trial, that was my prayer for the sitting president. Read that psalm. You're like, man, Polly's got a vicious heart. And the thing is, God understands that pain. If you read the Psalms, you're like, oh my gosh, bash, bash the children's heads against the rocks, my, my enemies. The one, that I, the one that I was embracing is erase not this person's name off the face of the earth, the next three generations that their fatherlessness would like, not prosper at all. I mean, it gets really bad. I don't want to go there because it, it raises parts of my spirit where I'm like, yeah! And that's not where God wanted me to live. And I don't think, like, especially for all of us who were like, fight, like, anti-racist, like, really in the pocket of fighting injustice, we get tired. And honestly, if you don't maintain a healthy, like, like, flame of irritation toward these things, yeah. But you know what? That can turn into a fire that can destroy you. It can turn into lesions that make you insensitive to the white brother who calls you and is like, yo, I need a safe place. Of course you do. But right now, I don't feel like educating another white person about my colored experience. But I will. Because Christ's love compels me. No, because I actually do love you. I really do. And you're not my enemy. You're my brother. I could keep going on that one, but I'm not. Okay, let's go back to Psalm 115. Our God is a God worth worshiping. 
a God where if you flip the psalm over, a God who can speak into the hearts of the downtrodden with eyes that see the marginalized, ears that hear, he breathes in the aroma of our, par- our prayers, and as children of God, as citizens of heaven, like actually sealed with the spirit, a spirit of love and power and discipline, if we become like the one we worship, we become heavenly exceptional, different. When we walk into a conversation, that we can walk into a lot of conversations nowadays, we just are different. We bring a perspective that is blessed, where everyone's like, where that, that heals or understands or takes the walk with the downtrodden. It's real. Empowered by the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the same spirit, we actually have the power to change the world around us as we become more and more like Jesus every day. Worship, here's a quote from a book, worship nevertheless imprints on our whole being and reality, that, on our whole being, the reality that we study, what we take in. Okay. The effect is a radical disruption of the powers of evil in us and around us. Often an enduring and substantial change is brought about. And the renewal of worship keeps the glow and power of our true homeland an agent in all parts of our being. One of the things that we're vitally aware of in this like crazy national political climate is that there's a lot of folks in Seattle who are looking for church. There's a lot of people out there. Whether hurt, boredom, <laughs> church can be boring, intimacy, theological disagreement, loneliness. If that's you, I'm going to invite you to join us at Renew and join us on this journey of heavenly exceptionalism. But not to us to God's glory, to the name of our Lord be the glory. Amen.